This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 78. 78. You're still doing something there. You've ditched what? the whoop. You've ditched the whoops. It's now a, like a little sub-commentary. It's like a little echo of your shouting out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, it reminds me of uh, Steptoe. <laughs> when you Arrow? do that voice, yeah. 78. <laughs> uh, howdy do who fans hope you've had a cracking week uh, we're recording slightly early this week so um, apologies for uh, not giving you enough time or as much time to get your reviews and comments in but we've had a few which is good yeah we have had a couple in yeah yeah and it's uh, yeah, completely my fault so I do apologise I'm off on a holiday this week so we need to um, need to get it in because we were we were thinking I think I said we just leave it this week would it be easier but no, no we can't leave it, it. Don't we? Can't leave it. Yeah. So wait, wait. Swanning off to Barbados again. Barbados. <laughs> yeah, in my yacht. Got a parasail <laughs> down on my yacht. Big blue box podcast yacht. Yep. It's TARDIS blue, don't you know? Oh yes. <laughs> no, I will be freezing my uh, my unmentionables off. Oh in, dear. In Canada. Oh right. Yeah, heading back to Toronto for a city break for Valentine's. It's like um, me and me and the missus. We don't really do like the typical Valentine's thing. Like, here's a gift. Thank you very much. Here's your gift. So we don't really do gifts and stuff. We don't. We tend to um, just try and go away somewhere cool. Yeah. So uh, we're going back to Toronto for four or five days. I think it is. Should be nice. Be very cold. I think it's like minus five or six or something at the minute. Will it be nice and bright? Um. I think so. I don't ah. think it's too cloudy and miserable. I think it is quite, quite bright and stuff. But mm. so that's how I like it: bright but not not boiling. Uh, I think that's quite a nice combination. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help whenever anyone says Canada, I just uh, immediately every time someone says it, I think of this dreadful tune. It goes Canada, Canada, everybody loves Canada. Because when <laughs> I went to the, because when I, when I went to the um, theme park in oh, what was it Epcot or something in the states when I was a kid. We went in this sort of 360 dome that was dedicated to Canada. Right. And they played that on a loop. And I tell you, it's never, ever left my head. So it's almost like a trigger word. A trigger, song, yeah. Which is not good. A trigger word. I love that. Whenever you hear it, you just freak out. And... Uh, Canada. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's I'm, good. I'm going back to this really cool comic book shop, though, in Toronto. Ooh. Called The Silver Snail. <laughs> I like the name. Yeah, it's an amazing um, comic book shop. It's... Uh, they moved a couple of years ago, so they're now like right in central, like downtown Toronto, and it's a really good location. So, but it's really great because they've got so much stock and everything in there. But they've got a coffee shop in there as well, and mm. it's just really good. It's like, um, it's like uh, Forbidden Planet, but it doesn't suck, right? Basically, so, yeah. So the staff are actually smiling. You mean? Yeah. Whenever I go in, I, I, I must have mentioned this previously on the show, but when I went in there or the few times I've been in there, um, you just end up getting lost in conversation with people inadvertently. Oh, it's right. really cool. Oh, like the people who are like stacking shelves or putting stock out, mm. um, they'll just come over and say, 
are you okay? Do you need any help? And I'll be like, no, I'm cool. I'm just having a look around. And they're like, oh, you're British. Yeah. It's like, yeah, cool. Well, that's how long are you over? And it's just that. From that moment on, you're then like in a 15-minute conversation. They're like, so what are you into? Like, you know, like DC stuff, superhero. I mean, like, yeah, mainly, you know, Doctor Who, but Batman, Star Wars. Mm. They're like, oh, cool. We got this coming over from the UK and we got this guy coming down next week. And it's, honestly, mate, it's like, that's a bit unfair, really, a bit unharsh, a bit harsh, sorry. Forbidden Planet doesn't suck, does it, in general? It's just like you get the odd little experience where the staff are a little bit grumpy, mm. you know, and it's not really... So it's a bit unfair, I shouldn't have said that, but yeah. I, mean, well, I know what you mean. It is nice when, yeah, when you get a bit of interaction like that. It feels quite old school. And yeah. also, it comes reminds me of what you were saying about that bookshop the other week, about how they knew their stuff and they're really into it. It feels like people who work in there want to be there sort of thing. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a much nicer, yeah. Oh, my pen's just flying across the room. It's flying his pen uh, around, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's exactly that. It's um, mm. Their customer service is really, really good. And you can't help but just get drawn into conversation. Even with other customers in there, it must be a, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or whatever, but I, I've been in conversation before with just another guy paying at the till. We ended up talking for 10 minutes about Doctor Who and Star Wars. And yeah, it's, it's re- so I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, I love it. Oh, sounds good. Yes. Sounds really good. You've been up to anything cool the last week? Um, it's not a week, well, yeah. actually. The last four no, days since we days, recorded isn't it yep. actually i'll just gonna say because yeah, we're because we're recording this on a on a tuesday which is quite unusual for us we normally do it sort of towards the end of the week don't we um we're actually recording this on uh, christopher eccleston's birthday do you know fantastic so he's, he's fantastic so he's um he's 52 today i believe if uh if the internet is right correct yeah <laughs> he doesn't look is. he doesn't, doesn't look 52 no he looks Seventy-two, but no, he's a, no. Chris, come so on, happy birthday, Chris. Um, what's what's your favourite Eccleston story? My favourite, um, uh, I, I'm tempted to say Rose. Oh, okay. Purely because it's got that real fresh newness feel to it, and he's mm. you know, it's all uncertain and crazy and cool. But I think, in all honesty, I think it's got to be. Boomtown in the Doctor dances, you know that. Oh, oh, um, yeah. The two-parter, the the gas mask child. Yeah, I yeah, think it's not that's... Boomtown. What's it called? Sorry, um, the sorry. empty child and the Doctor dances. Sorry, the empty child. Yeah, and the Doctor yeah. dances. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it. I think we reviewed that. No, we haven't done it yet. We haven't done it. No, yet. we haven't done it yet. No. Um, but yes, that's my fave. I would say. Cool. What about, what about you? Well, yeah, that is definitely up there. Um, as you've chosen it, I actually love Parting of the Ways. I actually think, yeah, I'm going to go Parting of the Ways because I just love that whole, the way he tricks Billy into going back to Earth and there's so many great scenes in that and proper full-on Daleks uh, oh, being okay. nasty. So, yeah, Bad Wolf, Parting of the Ways, I think is a cracking two-parter. So the finale. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. The series end. Yeah, that is, yeah, they are cracking stories, actually. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. good stuff actually when you think back. Hmm. So yeah, so we're calling on Chris's birthday, which is good. So happy birthday, Chris! Um, in terms of what I've been up to, um, I have booked um, a ticket to this weekend's Phantom event in Chiswick um, because oh. <laughs> not that there's anyone there that I massively want to meet because it's mostly <laughs> Cybermen. Yeah. That, to be honest with you, if they walk past me in the street at a costume, I wouldn't know. But but uh, yeah, so there's a lot of Cybermen there. But there's um, Turlo's going to be there, Mark Strickson. Uh, I've never yep. met him, so I'm going to get his autograph. But to be honest with you, I mainly booked it because their events are only £10 and you get a free art print and the autographs are cheap. And I, to be honest with you, I just fancied hanging around with some other Who fans. And this comes back to a bit what you were saying earlier, because I was looking at it thinking, yeah, you know, I'd like to meet Turlo, I suppose. I haven't met, you know, I haven't got his autograph. And yeah, there's the K1 robot. It'd be good to get his autograph. I was sort of talking myself into it, but 
yeah, I just fancied hanging around some other Who fans. So I've booked that for this weekend. Oh, nice and, one. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that's pretty much it. I've, I've also booked my hotel for Cardiff, so that is definitely on for the um, Comic-Con weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. Yep. And uh, some great news has come up, which I will, we're actually going to talk about in the news as well, which has really made my day concerning that. Well that timed. So, yeah, so yeah. really, really pleased about that. So, yeah, that's been me pretty much in the last few days since we spoke. Coolio. Yeah. Um, I've not been up to too much, really. Um, I haven't watched any. Goes. Yeah, I haven't watched any who apart from uh, our review this week. Um, yeah, another little Funko has uh, snuck up on the shelf. Saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've just found it really. I found it really. Che- I can't remember where I got it from. Now we were out the other day, uh, the weekend, and I can't remember where I got it from. Where were we? Yeah, I saw it for like seven quid somewhere. Wasn't in the Who shop, was it? You haven't been sneaking back in there. I've not broke in and oh, taken a load of selfies. <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny if you see if you see a load of selfies, <laughs> just a guy in like a balaclava, but with a fourth Doctor <laughs> scarf around his neck. <laughs> it's me taking like a million selfies after hours. But um, no, I, where were we? That's annoying me now. Anyway, so I picked that up. He's um, he's uh, on the shelf next to the the other twelfth Doctor in the the orange suit. Mm. Looks very cool. It does. I know they they've done another exclusive in the red spacesuit of um of the 11th doctor haven't they they have yeah which yep. for a second i thought did matt wear the this red spacesuit but then of course he did yeah yeah i mean they have got a lot of use out of that costume it must stink um <laughs> but um but yeah he did wear it briefly didn't he i think i can't remember the episode hide maybe i don't know he did it was um yes uh was it hide well, he I'm was jumping sure. back through the the pocket into the pocket dimension was that the one? Oh, it wasn't the wasn't the um, one in the TARDIS, was it? Journey to the center of no, it wasn't that. I don't forever. I, no, I don't think so. Right, we must review that one day. That that story. Yeah, that's a, a bit oh. of a funny one. Bit of an interesting oh, one. one. <laughs> bit of a funny one. Yeah. Yes, right. So, so you've been up to much else just other than Funkos. yeah, other than that, not much really. Normally, we've got a few more days to play with before we record, so we can. Yeah. Do stuff, but yeah, not much, mate. Okay. It's all good. I think we should land this dude, though. Yeah, you land it. I'll grab my pen that I've managed to throw across the floor, and then we'll get into the news. First up. We've got this is quite good. Um, if you guys remember last year, um, Titan Comics did uh, the same thing, where they did a Doctor Who Comics Day. Yes, uh, yeah. they did it in 2015, and it was quite good because they held events all around the world. They did a couple in America, they did one here, some other places, and uh, essentially, it's just a celebration of um, of Doctor Who comics in general, really. Um, by Titan Comics. So this year it's in July, uh, Saturday the 9th. And I'm assuming that there's going to be an event probably at Forbidden Planet yeah. um, in, at their London uh, mega store. Mega. Mega. Mega store. And last year it was pretty good. They had Paul Cornell there. Oh, he's um, good. I like Paul Cornell. Yeah, so he's been involved quite heavily with um, with the Titan stuff. Um, and Neil Edwards as well. So they did it last year, and I'm sure it was at Forbidden Planet in London. Yeah, I think they normally are, yeah. 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 Um, and essentially, it's um, if you can get to one of the events, you can just pick up 
um, a whole stack of the Titan comics. You can get them signed. Um, they, or they always have like three or four people there doing sign-ins from people who have worked on these on these comics from Titan. Um, and they normally do like a load of um, a load of offers as well. So you can pick up like a load of back issues a little bit cheaper and on all that stuff. So if you're into your Titan Doctor Who comics uh, this July, if you can get into London or did they do another one somewhere? I think they might have had a little event up in the Newcastle store. All oh, right. If okay. memory serves. So if you yeah. can get, if you can get, I'm sure it's Forbidden Planet to do it. If you can get to one of those in July and you're into your Titan comics, that'll be, that'll be really good because you can get it signed and all that jazz. And, and yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Titan do, comics um, have smashed it, haven't they? Over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'd, I'd love the Titan comics. I was going to say, I have a feeling, I might be wrong here, but you know, they do like the blank covers. Yes. Um, that are just white. Yep. I have a feeling they sometimes have like guest artists these days as well where you can give them the blank comic and they'll do like a sketch on it uh, if i'm thinking they definitely did that for something i'm not sure if it was titan comic day but but that's quite cool as well so yeah it's good they're always good events to get up to and they give out free comics as well i believe they do yep because they tie yeah. in with because i think every every wednesday is comic book day mm. so they would have been or sorry it's free comic book day so there would have been a batch of comics out that week anyway so they always give them like a few of those away as well in like a little goodie bag thing. That's it. Are you still collecting the comics? Uh, no, I've moved on to the, um, I think I stopped at episode like the like the second series or volume or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, so now I'm just going to get the the graphic novels or the trade paperbacks, whatever you want to call them. Oh, like you know, the collected like, ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Makes more sense, actually, because I've still been getting them and um, I've really got behind. And so now I've just got a massive backlog of comics. And like you said, they're taking up so much room. I think, I'm thinking of doing the same, although I, I love it when they arrive through the door and I'm always like, ah, oh, new comics, and then I just don't get a chance to read them. Yeah. So I'm thinking of doing the same as you and, and just getting like them when they collect them together in like the, the little volumes. Um, I'll tell you what is, is great, actually, that slipped out a bit under the radar is um, this Tales from the TARDIS comic that came out a few weeks oh, yeah. back. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Because it is basically a reissue of, of some of these comics, but... Um, mm-hmm. But it's a really nice size, and it's and it's because you know they did that other one, the other Doctor Who, because there's so many different versions over here in the UK that they mm-hmm. did like that Doctor Who comic, which was like a big format, and the quality of the paper wasn't very good. Yeah, Tales from the Tardis is kind of like the same thing again, reissued, but with but it's much nicer, and I really really like those. I'm, I'm kind of hoping they should really just get rid of that other comic and concentrate on that because it's so much better. Yes, I, so I recommend I that to you if you can. Yeah, if you can get that one. Okay. Yeah. They're yeah, really but all, all for the Titan comics though. I love, I love the, uh, I, I love how they've grown quite quickly as well. Because I remember when they first launched, it must have been a couple of years now, actually, a year and a half ago. They, um, they started with the announcement of just the ninth and tenth Doctors, and uh, then there was a, then the, the ninth and tenth. Then it was the eleventh Doctor was going to come out like six months later, and then really quickly after that, we had the twelfth Doctor. Yeah. Stuff. Now they've doing the eighth. Now they're doing the eighth Doctor as well. We're going to have the fourth Doctor in a couple of months' time. Looking forward to those. Yeah. That looks really good. So yeah. I'm hope. So they've expanded quite a lot. So it's obviously very popular, which is great. So hopefully we'll see some other Doctors in there as well. Would love to have a first Doctor. Yes. Uh, and a Colin would be good, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Titan Comics, July the ninth. July the ninth. Okay. Yes. Right. Other news. Um, BBC iPlayer. I didn't know they had this, but apparently they have a heart button that you can click on, uh, which basically 
allows the audience to instantly show their love for a program. Now, I didn't know about this. Did you? I did not. You, you ever use this heart button? Didn't well, anyway, um, they've calculated the hearts and the figures and come up with their top 10 loved programs, most loved programs. And Doctor Who's in that list. And where do you think it came? Uh, well, I know where it came because oh, I'm you looking know. at it. However, I was quite surprised. Yeah. What, surprised. surprised in a good way or a bad way? In a good way. Okay. Yeah. So it came number four yeah. out of, on the list of 12, actually, it was. So, yeah, fourth most loved program on the BBC iPlayer, thanks to this heart button, which I'm actually now going to purposely uh, seek out because, as I say, <laughs> I had no idea it existed. So I'll be giving that plenty of hearts uh, next year. I'll have forgotten all about it by then. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, number four on the list. It beats things like Strictly, which came in at number five, Casualty, which has been going forever, mm-hmm. was at number six. Uh, the Bake Off was in there. The Apprentice, which I actually quite like, The Apprentice. Sherlock, surprisingly, came in at number 10. I'd have thought that would have been higher, but I guess it's not really been on much, has it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, what the things that beat Doctor Who was number three, Match of the Day. I feel like we should have some Top of the Pops music. <laughs> um, number two was The Next Step. I don't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. I, when I read that, I thought, The Next Step, apparently it's some... Um, dancers group thing anyway the next step was at number two and of course at number one was <laughs> eastenders <sighs> that chirpy happy non-depressing Ooh. so yep Ooh. so yeah yeah but yeah so number four doctor that, that ain't bad um yeah really good that ain't bad at all and you know what i the reason why i was surprised by it in a good way mm. is that i thought that strictly would be above doctor who well, it got higher ratings, didn't it? People yeah. love that program, yeah. And also, um, Sherlock, I thought, would be up there. Not maybe ahead of Doctor Who, but I thought Sherlock would be up there. And the Great British Bake Off, because that always does very, very well. Yeah, the Bake Off gets mm. like incredible viewing figures um, for a program about cakes and biscuits <laughs> it amazes me how many people watch that but but yeah so yeah it's good to good to know there's a you know some still a lot of love out there for our beloved doctor who <laughs> for our cherished yeah program yeah so that's really good yeah quite happy with that number four we're happy with it yeah lastly yeah and i know adam's going to be very happy about this i am yeah very happy <laughs> uh yeah the tardis tours Coming back to the Doctor Who experience Yay! next month. Uh, and not only that, they're also going to shove in there uh, a load of the props and stuff from Series 9. Fantastic. Which is one of the great things, you know, about the experience is that it's not, it's never, it's never static. You know, they're always changing things in there, adding bits mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's really good. So uh, from March uh, the 2nd, which is a Wednesday, uh, from then onwards, um, all of the Series 9 stuff. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yep, so all of the Series 9 bits will be on display from then. Yeah. From the 2nd of March. And the TARDIS tours themselves will be from Sunday the 6th of March. Sorry, no, Saturday the 20th of February until Sunday the 6th of March. Yes. Um, so which is perfectly timed for our trip to cardiff because we're planning on doing experience on saturday right the fifth that's right yeah so very well timed and we know a few people that have done these as well um i if you guys know of a guy called tom Dix and his epic who channel uh, he did a quite a cool little vlog recently of his uh, mm. trip to the tardis tour which is really good and it looks amazing it looks like um this is going to sound really bizarre mate and you're probably going to be like 
Gary, what are you talking about? But when he was, um, when Tom was in there doing his vlog, it looked like he was in the TV program. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the reason why I say that is because you don't just walk in there and it's like um, warehouse lighting and stuff like that. It's actually lit like it is on the program. Mm, so it's like, amazing. Yeah, it's all the lighting there and all the consoles lit up and everything. It's It looks just amazing. So um, um, it's safe to say that this is a a green light for us to do, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I, 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 that video that Tom did kind of blew my mind a little bit because I was just like, like you said, because it's all flashing and lighting up and he seemed to be in there for ages. I was thinking, wow, do you really get all this time in there? It it just looks incredible. Um, yeah. And yeah, when I looked at the experience tickets uh, two weeks ago because we were talking about going down for that weekend and stuff and um, I was a little bit disappointed to see the Tireless Tours weren't weren't on sale they was like there was like no information about upcoming shows or whatever yeah and i was like no oh, that's a shame because like you know never been to cardiff before i don't know when i'll go again it's a bit of a sort of one-off weekend for a while and um so yeah so when they announced this the other day i mean i literally screamed a little bit i was just like yes because <laughs> the timing is perfect for us isn't it because we're going we're going down on the weekend of the 5th of march and yeah, so we'll just get in before they stop the TARDIS tours on the 6th, so that'll be great. Um, we get to see the new Series 9 stuff, which will have just been put in there. So it's it's just brilliant. I'll tell you, it's really made my made my day. Yeah, I'm really excited, as you can probably tell. Well, have you done the TARDIS tour? No. All right, so you're, you're going to be doing that, yeah? Yeah. Excellent. Of and course. we won't be rushed because our partners won't be allowed in. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be me and you. We'll be able to geek out for the whole hour without being, come on, hurry up. How much longer you got to be? That's true. Oh, so that's yeah. my partner, by the way, just in case uh, just in case yours is listening thinking, hey, I'm going to punch him on the nose. Are you guys hurry? Are you guys going to hurry up with this nerd thing? Yeah. <laughs> what the, this geek thing you've got going on? Just hurry up, will you? Yeah, we won't be rushed. Yeah, be so great. we'll also get to see the new Sonic. Oh, yeah. In in the flesh, as it were, it is. Yeah, and that reminds me. Have you um, have you got uh, you know that balaclava you were on about earlier, so we can break in in the middle of the night and steal it. <laughs> it's got a vision of like the the experience just me and you did like the uh, pink panther style little claw coming down, picking it out of the cabinet. All oh, right, yeah, peeling yeah. back up into the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, it's... that'll be like um. <laughs> so, got some CCTV here. <laughs> it's all standard stuff, dressed in black, balaclavas. But they're wearing these really long, multicoloured scarves. <laughs> what's all that? <laughs> and one well, of them got really trapped in the door on the way out. So what's going on? <laughs> yeah, but, by that damn long scarf. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be awesome just to see that actual prop, isn't it? That's going to be... Oh, it's, just, it's all coming together, Gary. I just can't wait. The universe is aligned. Yes, at last. Space and time is aligned for, for one weekend. Brilliant. Bring it on. <laughs> Yay. So if you can get down there. Um, so just to confirm... TARDIS tours are from Saturday the 20th of Feb through to Sunday the March the 6th. Um, and tickets go on sale. Actually, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it would have been last Tuesday so or, or Tuesday just gone. So from Tuesday just gone, the 16th, you'll be able to have, uh, have bagged your ticket. Yes. Yes. That's going to do for news. Okay. <laughs> Adam, my good fellow, what are we reviewing this week? Let's get down that Inferno nightclub, Gary, but let's hope there aren't any war machines around. Well, I suppose you know where you are, my dear? Mm. London. Mm. Cold. 
marvellous to be back. It seems ages since I left. Ah, uh, when you see the ages that I've seen, you won't use that term quite so freely. Anyway, I don't think it's been all that long. Hey, what's that for? Oh, well, you see, uh, the problem is, coming back to the 20th century, my dear, the TARDIS, I'm afraid, is often mistaken for the real police box. See what you mean. Yes, and fortunately he can't get in. If only he could. Scotland Yard whipped off into time and space. <laughs> so that's it. What? Oh, the tower. It's finished. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. It's great, isn't it? Stephen would have liked it here. You know there's something alien about that tower. I can scent it. Smells okay to me. Good old London I, I, I can, I can feel it. It's got something sort of powerful. Look at my skin. Look at that. I've got that pricking sensation. That sensation again, the same. Just as I had when I thought the Daleks, those Daleks were near. Daleks? Who are they? Oh, uh, yes, of course. You, uh, you didn't meet them, did you, child? No. No, and I pray that you never will. I really must investigate it. The fabulous William Hartnell. William Hartnell there, yeah, yeah, brilliant. So the War Machines, this was back in, well, 1966. Wow. 25th of June, no less. Uh, four-parter. Nice um, nice length for them, though. Yes. Just under 25 minutes. Um, and yes, it's old school, proper old Doctor Who, black and yeah. white, the lot. It is. And um, so this one, yeah, so the Doctor, uh, with his then- uh, companion Dodo, mm. Dodo Chaplet, um, who I'm I'm pretty sure we don't do we see Dodo again. No, she she departs, doesn't she? She doesn't. Yeah, she she decides, she decides to, stay, to stay in London. To stay yeah. in London. We yeah. never see or hear from her. She's got a headache, and we never see her ever again. That's right. Yeah. So we don't see Dodo, <laughs> um, but it is the Doctor and Dodo in the story. Yeah. Um, for the most part, um, and <clears throat> pretty simplistic plot. Um, if you've seen the first, or if you've seen any of the Terminator movies, this is that. Pretty much. Pretty much so. Uh, James Cameron must have been a Who fan when he was younger because the story is essentially um, like a, um, a master computer called the Votan, um, which they've built to be like a sort of self-aware artificial intelligence, really. Yeah. Um, and it turns evil. Uh, builds a, 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 or is in the starts to build a, an army of of war machines. Hence the title, um, because it feels that mankind has reached its peak in terms of evolution and stuff like that. So it can't progress any further without the help of the uh, Votan computer. Um, coincidentally, the Doctor has just landed in in London just in time for all this kicking off uh, and investigates. And yeah, there we go. And he gets his, like, that clip you just played, he gets, like, this sixth sense that something is immediately wrong, which I don't think, it doesn't happen that often with the first Doctor. It's quite unusual that he just suddenly, I sense it, something's not right here, you know. It's just like, where'd that come from, this sudden sixth sense? But yeah. he kind of mentions the Daleks then, but I don't remember him doing it in the Daleks. But anyway. And, yeah, so so that's it, the War Machines. Um, yeah. And i tell you what, mate, I've not watched any Hartnell for a little while. Mm. Um, I think I watched An Unearthly Child was the last one I watched. I rewatched that yeah. several months ago. But um, I, I must admit, it was great watching William Hartnell again. Yeah. Because it's got that sense of 
just enormous thanks, you know, when you're watching Hartnell, because you think if he hadn't have nailed it and just had his little quirky, funny ways and made the character what it is, you and I wouldn't be sitting here. No, absolutely. You know, talking yeah. about it. So I always had that little sense of, of just complete appreciation and thanks for the Hartnell years, because out of all the doctors that we ever talk about, um, he is one of the doctors that gets left behind a lot. Oh, yes. You know, because um, I think from the Troughton years onwards, the character really did progress into what it is today, really. Mm. Um, and although there are little shades of of Hartnell in the Capaldi performance sometimes, that very old grumpiness and and, and that kind of thing, it's, uh, you know, if the, and those uh, listeners out there, if you haven't watched much of the Hartnell years, or you really are missing out on like the the foundations that laid that path the way, and you can see mm. like a lot of these little inflections in some of the the doctors that followed as well. Um, so yeah, and as a story, um, I think overall, before we get into some of the details, I, I think this is this is a pretty good um, classic Who story. It's got some of those really good things about who where the companions split up and we have the like these little side stories going on and it's mm. quite there's little moments of detective work going on by the doctor and there's a there's a few action scenes in there there's and it's got and it's got that real old school bbc britishness about it as well very much which yeah. is great so yeah as a story um i think it's pretty good what did you think like overall yeah, um, I because funny enough, I was thinking this morning actually before we kicked off, um, before we we started talking, I was thinking actually we never know what what each other thinks of a story, um, but we often get uh, an inkling or an idea like we you know we do chat off air obviously and we often sort of know whether we sort of like it or not. I was thinking with this story actually we because we haven't had sort of time to sort of really talk about it or anything beforehand, we knew nothing about what each other thought of this. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, oh, I wonder if Gary will like it, because I've always loved this story, um, which is why I was really excited that we were going to do it on the podcast today. Um, there is, yeah, for the very reasons you've just mentioned. Um, so I'm really pleased you do like it, because it's a very simplistic story. Like you said, there's not, you know, story-wise, it's very, very easy. Yeah. Um, I've got to agree with you about Hartnell being overlooked, because I think, yeah, I think because some of his stories were perhaps... Um, you know, like six, you know, I mean, you look at the Dalek Master Plan that went on forever and stuff, you know, they're, they're not always the easiest to, to get into. Yeah. Whereas I think if you were going to say to someone, look, okay, you're not a big Hartnell fan, but watch the, you know, this is a good one to start with because it's a simple story. Hartnell's great in it. And you just get to see how brilliant he was. I mean, he's, yep. he is grouchy and, and stuff like that, but, but also he's got a real warmth to him, which is what is great about the first doctor. And he, he does feel slightly alien to me, which I think is something that perhaps sort of got a bit lost sometimes um, over the years. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I think Hartnell's fantastic at this. And I, I really, really like the story. And there's lots of bits in it that I'd forgotten about because um, I've watched it a few times, but not for a while. So I forgot that Polly and Ben get introduced in this story. I'd forgotten about mm-hmm. Dodo's departure. I'd forgotten all of that. So, um, yeah, I watched this the other night and I, I just loved it, mate. I, again, got to the end of it. And I really wanted to watch more classic, which is always a good sign. I didn't sort of switch it off and think, oh, right, that's done. I just switched it off and thought, oh, I want to watch like war games now or something like that. But it's midnight, so I'm going to bed. But do you know what I mean? It left me wanting more, which is which is always good. That is a good sign, actually. If you're watching yeah. some classic stuff and you come to the end and you think, oh, I could I could actually watch a bit more classic coup than the, the, 
the story you've just watched has had its intended effect, I would say. Mm. Um, and it can be a bit of a slog with some of the classic stuff, especially um, the first few Doctor's stories. Some of them are quite... Because the, the thing with the classic stuff, it was meant to be viewed once a week. Yeah. You know, it wasn't intended to be watched like all in one sitting as we've done or as a lot of people do now with the DVDs. So it can be a bit um a bit of a slog to get through some of the old classic stories, especially the six-parters and you know, some it, it can just be like oh, and you do have to take a little break sometimes. But well, I Well, you mentioned Unearthly Child there. I mean, okay, yeah, the first episode is is fantastic, yeah. phenomenal, but the, the the you know, the three that follow it I think fall into that category. If they <laughs> yeah. are, if you watch them all in one go, that is quite hard going. I think it is. Yeah. yeah, this one, however, I think with the exception of episode three, mm. um, I mostly it's 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 okay. You you can watch it in one go. I I absolutely watched it um, in one go. I remember when I first watched it, I, I remember thinking beforehand, ah, it, you know, am I going to have to watch the first two? And then watch the uh, the next two, maybe the next day or whatever. Yeah, um, it's, it's quite well paced, I think, actually, for a, for a sixties who. Yeah, it, I, I found it nipped a lot, especially episode one. Absolutely whizzed by, like when the credits rolled. I thought, wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. it really nips a lot at good pace. You're right. Episode three does slightly lag a little bit, um, but it has got that great cliffhanger with the camera zooming up to Hartnell holding the compact. That is just one of the best shots ever. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to mention that. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an amazing shot yeah. in all of who actually. Mm. Um, right, yo. Uh, story wise, mm. um, like we like we said, it's fairly simplistic. There's not a lot going on, and it it's it's actually creepy. The just how much I mean, it's not an, uh, an obvious direct rip off, but the James Cameron Terminator films is basically this. Mm. In a, in a nutshell, it's um, it's like a a computer that they've developed that can think for itself and supposedly is meant to manage all of like the world's financial systems and military systems and so on, and they kind of sell it in, don't they? As it's not influenced by emotion and can write, can make the correct decisions and on all that jazz, mm. and it turns bad, doesn't it? Because it feels that it need, it feels that humankind can't progress any further without it yeah um, and then it's kind there's of super intelligent isn't it it's yeah just, yeah yeah so it's basically skynet you know um yeah. it basically decides in a nanosecond that human race you know is insufficient um and when they talk about you know possible resistance from from humankind it said well they'll be eliminated and hence the you know the the development and production of these war machines yeah um and it's quite a big cast in this as well. The supporting cast is quite a few because we have like a team of like scientist, engineer type people who are actually working on this computer. We have um, the, well, I guess they are companions in a way. We've got Dodo, Ben and Polly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the doctor himself. We've got some other like uh, head of department people, like Churchill type character and yeah. and that sort of people. And then we've got the army people. Um, who who get their their backsides handed to them, um, and then we've got the um, the the props themselves, these war machines, mm. um, which we'll come on to in a little bit. So support cast wise, any people that stand out to you? Any people that didn't that didn't really do it for you? 
No, they're they're all good in their own way. I mean, they are terribly British. They are. Everybody yeah. in it is terribly British, um, um, and they're very much sort of acting of the time when it was made so it's a little bit stilted um but no i think everyone's in it is quite good actually i don't there's nobody in it that hams it up too much or or really goes over the top i think i think it's quite a good cast actually as i say they are a little bit i suppose now it's viewed as a bit sort of stiff you know stiff upper lip type thing yeah is a little bit over the top but no i thought the cast were quite good in actually and i i, I love the setting of the BT Tower as well, which obviously was very modern and new and wow, amazing yeah. when this was made. And um, yeah, so, you know, so well, yeah, but no, I think the cast are good. I think they, they, they work perfectly well. I mean, when, you know, when someone does hypnotized acting, which there's quite a lot of in this, yeah, you know, that's, it's very easy to, uh, to, to make that performance laughable when, you know, being hypnotized. But I think they, I think they do a, a quite a good job actually. Yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah. I, I completely agree about the, okay. the Britishness of it. Yeah. Um, and it is completely of its time. Um, everyone in yeah, yeah, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's all that kind of, you know, really old school, uh, Britishness. But, um, yeah, I, I did like a couple of the, um, the supporting cast. I really liked, um, the, uh, the guy who was like the head of the the, the organization, the old Churchill type character. Oh yeah, you know, um, was it Sir Charles or something? Sir like that? Charles, I think so. When you know when Ben escapes from the factory, yes, and he goes running over and he's like yelling at the doctor and this guy like you got to sort this out. You got you know yeah. he's got this Cockney type of of accent going on, mm. um, <clears throat> and uh, that guy, what's his what's his uh, what's his name? Yeah, Sir Charles, isn't it? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, played by William Mervyn, um, so he was very good because he 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 tried to maintain like this level of calm. Like Ben's just like yelling at him, like "You're going to sort this out, or what? You're going to do yeah. this, or what?" He's like, "I have none, no more of this, young man," and he just tries to like dismiss him completely. And and he get and I like him because he gets involved as well. He actually goes down to the factory. He's there with the army and all that stuff. So I thought he was a good character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I. I quite liked um, when you were saying about acting hypnotized or possessed, whatever. Mm. I quite liked uh, uh, the the two doctors that get sort of hypnotized early on. So we have the main, um, well, the professors. Yeah. So we have Professor. Is it Professor Brett or Professor Brett or Professor Crimpton? Yeah. One of the two. Um, those. Well, those guys actually they get sort of hypnotized by the Voton quite early on. And they, um, I thought they played that quite well. They were quite straight. They were quite flat when they were doing that. And it's there's a really good scene where they're having like a press uh, a press conference. Oh yeah. And Sir Charles is, you know, going through the motions, and uh, the, the professor just turns up late, barges in, drags the other guy off, like out, <laughs> drags him out over to the thing, and then he gets hypnotised as well. So I thought those guys were. I thought they played that quite well. Um, you know, that cool scene as well where one of them was trying to escape and whatnot. And Did like you notice little... the camera in that scene? The, 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 I'm not sure if it's meant to be there or not because it's kind of a press conference. So you've got like reporters, or you have got someone doing a really bad, worse than my American accent, haven't you? You've got like a reporter there. from the New York yeah, Times, yeah. But, but did you notice the big clumsy camera in shot on the on the left hand side in that scene? And it kind of just wheels out, and then clearly the next shot of the close up. That's the Charles is is from that camera, but I was thinking, 
is that meant to be there? Is that is that meant to be in stock? Because it's one of those really big old clumsy hmm. 60s camera. But yeah, next, next next time I watch this, just have a look left hand side of that scene. It's it's just really clearly in shot, and I, I don't think it's meant to be there. But I guess because it's a press screening, you could get away with it. Maybe it was meant to be. All oh, right, like, but it's clearly filming the next shot. Okay, right. I was thinking, right, it's just, you can sort of see it getting in position. It suddenly lifts its, suddenly gets lifted up to film the next shot. I'm thinking, well, okay. Do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if I think it's a yeah, because back in the because if if you go through um, most of the Hartnell episodes and you know the Trouton ones, it, it basically anything from like the first, especially the first two Doctors. You can always spot like little gaffes, like little microphones coming, like coming yeah. in. You can see. I think they did tidy some of it up when they. Yeah, I wish it. they wouldn't because yeah. I love spotting things like this. Yeah, I, I, you know, I love it. It's part of it. I, I'd really enjoy looking out for these little things. Yeah, I know they did in um, some of the early ones. I can't think what it was now. It might have been the Daleks or whatever. They sort of did. Um, digitally remove some of yeah. the boom shadows and stuff. And I'm just thinking, no, 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 leave it in. We, I love all that. Yeah, it's great. If you've got the old VHS, the original VHS tapes, you'll be able to see them on there. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure when they did the restorations for the DVDs, they removed a lot of those little mistakes and little things like that. But um, Actually, um, while you're talking about restoration, because I, I, this is quite important, I don't want to forget this later on. Do you know, I watched the extras on this. I'll tell you what. Me too. You d- yep. Did you watch the restoration thing? Mm-hmm. My word, didn't they put some effort into getting this back together? Yes. Like yep. you just, when you see the raw footage that they had to work with mm-hmm. and also all the bits that were missing and, and you know, the, the film prints that they had. Wow. It just really goes to show you how much effort um, the restoration team put into these DVDs because it's quite incredible actually how they pieced this back together, isn't it? It is. And you're right. Some of the footage I had to work with was dreadful. Um, and actually it's one of the things I was going to mention later, we might as well talk about it now is the, um, some of the, um, some of the old film print that they had was remarkable. Mm. And I know they did a fairly decent job of trying to get it all consistent because you can see that in some shots, it's a bit grainy and a bit cloudy and, you know, they've, they've cleaned it up as best they can, but there's half a dozen scenes in this where, I, I, even though it's black and white, it looked like it was filmed yesterday. Yeah, it's crystal. Yeah. Some, yeah. yeah. If you guys have seen this on DVD, um, or if you've not seen it, check it out. There is like literally five or six scenes where the picture quality is crystal clear. Mm. There's no film grain. There's no noise. There's nothing on, on the actual film negative itself. Um, and the the contrast is amazing. I don't know what, I don't know what those... Did it, did it say in the extras where those bits of film came from? I don't think they mentioned it. I think they just targeted like the the, the bad stuff they had to fix and clean up. And oh, they they used all sorts of um, all sorts of things to get it together. Like I think there was one film print found in Nigeria because this was wiped in the seventies, completely yeah. wiped. Yeah. So they managed to find one in in Nigeria, I think. But a lot of it was cut out for. Um, was censored so like in new zealand and uh i forget the other place they they cut bits out that they considered too violent that's right you know like there's yep. a bit where someone gets a head chop to the back of the neck which is so tame by today's standard yeah. but it was cut out back then so they had to sort of um they had to use the original uh what do you call it um audio recordings that someone had got and then they somehow managed to sort of digitally put back in those frames that were missing and so much work went into it but yeah i think yep. they found they found two sets of prints um, and they sort of used 
they sort of merged them together. That's right. To yep. make one very crisp print and the best of both bits and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, a lot of work went into this. Yeah, massive. Yeah, if, that's a good point, actually. If you can watch the features, it's really interesting. It is. And I bet yeah. you loved the one called Then and Now. <laughs> I did. Because you love I your did. location stuff, don't you? I loved it. I kept thinking, I, I actually went on Google, Google Maps straight afterwards and I had to find that little muse yeah oh it's oh it's brilliant yeah just loved it yeah and that's um it's quite interesting that there's that they filmed quite a lot around london because mm. normally you especially back then with the budget that they had it was maybe a couple of location shots and the rest was done on you know very very small you know very cheap uh set yeah whereas on this one they actually went around quite a lot it's a lot around covent garden um obviously a lot around the bt tower um, uh, and yeah, lots of different locations around London. Yes, and I, lo- and I love seeing something about seeing these war machines on location. I mean, although they look a bit clumsy in that, there's something really great about seeing black and white footage of Doctor Who on, on real location as well. Yeah, don't know what it is. It just yeah, because I suppose because it didn't happen that often. Like I said, it was mostly a lot of it's a lot of studio sets. So it's great when you get a bit of location in Doctor Who. And, yeah, I don't know. Something about just seeing the first Doctor in, you know, on a real, in a real place. It yeah, just, it's just something about it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So I loved it. Uh, also, what did you think? To something that we don't really see that often um, in Who is like a custom um, episode opening screen. So we had these oh, yeah. like really old. I was going to say really old. Then it is really old. These retro sort of computer graphic-y fonts to say episode one, and then it had like the font, uh, the word split out onto two lines and stuff like that. That was quite, I've not seen, um, you don't really see that much in Who. No, I loved that. Again, it's so sort of classic, and I don't know if it looked really modern when they did it, but it looks so nostalgically brilliant now. I yeah, think, I really yeah. liked that. I think at the time, it would people would have been like, whoa. Yeah. That looks wow. awesome, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was quite a nice little touch, I thought. You don't really see like custom because normally you just have like the intro music and theme mm. um, you have like the episode title and then it fades and then you're in yeah so it's a nice little touch really i thought so and yeah. you know um you know a couple of episodes a couple of podcasts back we did uh brain and morbius and we were talking about the tardis prop looking battered and, <laughs> yeah. and that was one of the last stories to feature the original prop i couldn't help but notice that in this filmed what 10 years earlier or whatever it looks like it's ready to fall down in this episode. How oh, on yeah. earth did it last all the way to the Baker years? Because it really looks battered at the beginning again. Um, and it's weird as well because, you know, these little things intrigue me. Like when we're on location, the windows are white and it's got the St. John's ambulance sticker just visible. Yep. And then when they cut to the studio bit, which actually does work pretty well, the, the windows aren't white anymore, nor is and the St. John's ambulance sticker's missing. And I'm just thinking, what? when did the, you know, what happened? Like little things like that just intrigue me. Yeah. Well, but, um, back then, you know, they wouldn't have had much in the way of continuity people. No. To like say, is that right? You know, we need to move in props around. We can't have, you know, stuff different. You just reminded me actually talking to continuity. Did you notice that the war machine keeps changing from number three to number nine in between shots? You know, and it's going mad in the warehouse. It like it turns round and it's number nine, and then it comes towards you and it's number three, and then oh, it yeah, turns yeah, out it's yeah. number nine. It's it's just constantly changing. Yeah. So yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't worry about things like that back in the day. No. Too much. Yeah, that's because they only they only built one one machine, didn't they? 
One machine, yeah. They only built one, but they changed the number um, to say, like, you know, that more machines going off that way. We've got mm. another one. So, But I think in the edit, they didn't really care too much. They just wanted to get the scene together. Yeah. Um, which you can, for- you can forgive little things like that. Uh, once again, I, I love it. I don't know why. I love spotting little things like that. It yeah. just makes it fun. Yeah. One thing to mention, actually, which really... Um, really impressed me from the off really was the opening shot is somebody clearly at the top of the BT tower and the camera is like this really big panoramic it pans around like all of London oh yes yeah, yeah. and it pans it's center around centre point I think is it centre point centre point yeah they yep. filmed it yeah um, yeah so it starts off and it pans around you see the whole of London and then it sort of zooms in sort of down on the street on the left hand side it zooms in and then the TARDIS materializes and I thought that was amazing I mean back in 1966 to do a shot like that yes um was just brilliant and the sound effect kicks in and you think this is gonna look clunky because mm. you know somebody's on a camera like a mile away up on the tower how are they gonna make this look good but it looks amazing like, you know, the angle the TARDIS materialises at, it's just brilliant, really good. It is, and it sounds such a simple thing, but, yeah, you, you think about it back then. Yeah. Like, even to, like, bother to do that, like, you know, it's not it's not important to the story or anything. They could have just literally filmed it, land in the studio, but the fact they went to the effort to do it, um, yeah, and it does. It's just, it's a great start, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I know really exactly good. what you mean. Uh, the Inferno nightclub. Oh, what a place. What a cracking joint that looks like. Um, because we have this, because uh, Dodo, because she's really happy to be back in London, isn't she? Yeah, swinging sixties, uh, isn't it? Yeah, as she quotes it, she's back home, and she's yeah. loving it. And when she meets Polly, because Polly's working as an assistant, isn't she, for one of these professors? Yeah. Um, she's like, "Where? What's there to do?" Sort of thing. And she went, "Oh, you want to go to the Inferno?" And uh, that's where we meet Ben as well. Um, and the Inferno nightclub is one of these. Um, I, I thought it looked a bit like a dungeon, to be honest mm. with you, because uh, you have to go down. It's like a little side alley, isn't it, somewhere? And you go down these steps yeah. clearly to get into it, and it looks quite dark and cold. But, yeah, um, you, you've got some typical, really old-school 60s dancing. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. I must admit, I did chuckle quite a lot when... You just see these couples dotted around. And one thing I noticed actually it was quite funny because the director must have said, <laughs> Adam Starton, the director must have said, right, in this scene, we're going to have this person walking through and they're going to come to the bar and have a conversation. So just keep dancing, blah, blah, blah. Don't look at the camera. And you can see him like dancing away in the background. And then when you when I was looking at the uh, at the extras, one of them like glances over, yeah, the camera's still on. <laughs> Another one, like their eye line follows um follows dodo and polly as they walk all the way through and you just think wow extras back then it's like yeah just don't look at the camera nope but we're going to follow the actors around and we're (laughs) going to make sure that we still have to be dancing away and it's yeah it's really funny but it looks very small as well for a nightclub you know it's about the size of my living room (laughs) and it's not very big at all i love it when the doctor comes in um, later on in the episode or in episode two or three or whatever and they're like alright granddad we don't normally see you in here <laughs> your age in here yeah. he's just having none of it is he he doesn't oh, he it. doesn't crack a smile or anything does he he's no. just not impressed he's been doing all. child yeah. <laughs> he's considerate yeah. dancing away and not telling me yeah oh it's great yeah so it's got some great locations actually you know mm. we see a lot of London 
Um, and if you do watch the extras and you watch that then and now, it basically says, right, you know, back in production, we filmed it here. And this is what it looks like today. And not a lot of it has changed too much. I, I think a couple of areas have been developed, but for the most part, you can go back and, you know, you know, rewalk these bits from all the locations. Yeah. It's pretty much all there. Um, and then we got the Inferno up the BT Tower as well. BT Tower, um, yeah. It looks really good. What do they refer to it as? Is it the General Postal Tower or something like that? Something like that, yeah. 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 Um, and then we have the, um, like these, you know, just very typically Doctor Who warehouse type uh, sets and stuff like that. But it's all really good in terms of locations and and all that jazz. For I mean, for back then, you know, it does move around quite a lot because we have some Doctor Who, especially the classic stuff, where it can feel a little bit uh, claustrophobic almost. Where well, it's got like three sets and... Exactly, yeah, yeah confined mm. to three sets and we don't really... Nothing happens outside. But this is very open and quite expansive. I also think the... Because sometimes when you cut from location to studio, it, it can be quite clunky as well, can't it? And I think actually in this, it's not bad at all. Actually, does match up quite well. Even that bit from the TARDIS going to the close-up, which goes from location to studio. If you don't look at the windows, actually matches up quite well. Um, and the outside of the Inferno, where they've got like the, there's obviously built like a bit of a bridge, yeah, haven't they? And it's under there's telephone box. Even that, which is the studio, which then goes on to like Bedford Square and all that, it all matches up quite well. I think. I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. And I think they moved they moved things slight, around slightly as well. So there's a scene where um, it cuts to like an outside shot. I think it might be outside Inferno or outside the warehouse, one of the two. Mm. But then instead of just moving the camera around and having the couple, this couple just walk past camera up the street, they went like a few streets away because they felt that, you know, that matched up a bit more with yeah. what was going on and stuff like that. So they did put quite a lot of thought into, you know, how they shot locations and and that so that was good yeah it works really well yeah yeah good um anyone else on the support cast that did it for you it was all um nobody really stood out as like an amazing performance there was just like the odd person that was really that really played their character pretty well everyone seemed to there wasn't any pantomime stuff going on in this one no no Which, i didn't i didn't spot him but apparently mike reed you know from eastenders and stand up comedian apparently he's one of the like the henchmen in the warehouse oh, really? um, but by the time i'd read that on the production notes that scene had finished <laughs> and i couldn't be bothered to go back but apparently he's in there somewhere oh. very early role um but i didn't okay. spot him yeah but okay. yeah no sport costs are really good i think yeah yeah professors are pretty good um the army guys are pretty good um they look genuinely terrified when they're getting yeah. destroyed completely destroyed by the uh by the war machine um and then like yeah so like some of the other extras were quite were quite good like um the woman that works at the nightclub at the Inferno, she was quite good. She's the one that says to the doctors, isn't she? Like, what are you doing in here, Grandad, or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> yeah. So it's all pretty good. Not not too bad casting. It was nothing terrible, nothing over the top. Everyone was doing their job, really. Yeah. Yeah. Even the extras. Even the extras, yeah. Uh, right. Ben and Polly. Yes. Really liked Ben in this. I think I, yeah. I, I always forget, it sounds terrible, but I always forget poor old Ben as yeah. a companion. I think because so much of his stuff has sadly been wiped and isn't in the archives and everything. Um, yeah, so, yeah, great character. Um, really nicely acted. 
um, by Michael Craze. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just can't help but have this sort of slight pang of sadness, and because I just wish there was more of his stuff yeah. to watch. Because I I like him. He's you know he's a sort of a a cockney, you know, well-meaning. <laughs> You know, looks out for Polly all the time. Yeah, I think him and Polly actually work really nicely in this they one because it's their yeah. first story. And yeah. as I said earlier, I'd forgotten that. So it's really nice introduction to both of them. They they instantly sort of work quite well together. I think. Um, so yeah, Ben and Polly really like them. And um, Annika Wills is is <laughs> yeah, is just really nice. I like I like, I like the character of Polly as well. Yeah, so. yeah, she is good, and I, I I like her role in this where she was. She had two parts to do, really. She had the normal Polly, who was, like you say, she was really nice, and um, it, it, it's funny how she how she gets asked to go and get Ben out of his bad mood because mm. he just walks in because he's a sailor, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, in the navy, and um, he just walks in and plonks himself on the end of the bar, looking totally miserable. Doesn't he get into a scrap? He gets into, he gets a, fight, into a fight, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> One of those brilliant Doctor Who fights. And um <laughs> and Polly, uh, she gets asked to go and which I thought was a bit dodgy really. Because you would never ask anyone to do that now. If you saw like a random stranger at the end of a bar, regardless if he looked a bit grumpy or not, you wouldn't send your you know, as a as a woman, you wouldn't send her over just to like you know let's yeah, get him out a bit let's, weird go and yeah, cheer him up let's go and flirt with him for a bit and cheer him up so yeah, yeah. but you know back then it's different time i guess um I, I thought polly was i thought annika wills actually did quite a good acting job in this considering it's her first story um presumably mm. it was the first one she filmed i don't think they filmed him out of sequence back then did they i don't know i don't think so i'm not yeah. sure but but yeah no i thought she seemed to sort of she didn't sort of feel like um you know she was new to it if you know what i mean she sort of seemed to be in her stride quite quite well i thought yeah same same with uh, michael craze i thought they both sort of seemed very much in character it didn't sort of feel like oh these guys are new they haven't settled into their roles yet or whatever mm-hmm. um because i think dodo i i'm apparently i was reading in her first story she had a cock in the accent and they were like after that first story <laughs> she suddenly started speaking very posh they that's decided true that they, actually yeah, yeah they decided that you know no 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 that's not working so we'll we'll get rid of your cockney accent and you can be very British from now on, but whereas yeah, whereas I think Ben and Polly just seem straight away in in character and and work really well. Yeah, and um, yeah, I totally agree, mate. And yeah, so I liked I liked the the, the two parter that Polly had with that normal Polly, and then we had like a hypnotized, um, sort of very withdrawn, you know, in another world kind of thing. Mm. Um, and it's really cute actually that she saves Ben, sort of subconsciously. Yeah. Um, that's quite cute. So you can tell from that moment on that, you know, they were going to be quite close as companions. And he really has a thing for her, doesn't he, quite early on? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He really um, goes out of his way to make sure that she's saved and he doesn't want anything to happen to her, uh, which is quite good. And I, I, as I come back to, I mean, I really like Ben. And just like you, I always forget how good of a companion he was. Yeah. Um, and his acting in this is really good. And like I said earlier, it's not to the point where you think, oh, this is, he's just going overboard now, it's OTT. Even when he's like really irate and screaming in the Doctor's face and, and Sir Charles's face, even then it's like you can tell it's quite emotional when he's, you know, he really does have a lot of, he, he really cares for Polly's character, for Polly and, you know. Yeah. So um, I really liked him in this and he does have some, 
some fairly decent stories from this point on. Um, the Tenth Planet, he's pretty good in. Um, what's the next one after this? Uh, Is it Smugglers the next? Smugglers, which I yeah. don't think it, it doesn't exist, does it? No. Um, I think there was an audio. There's some audio out there of it. Um, That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you can get the like the audio CD with Annika Wills filling in the missing bits or whatever or, or narrating it. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that's actually in the archives. It's just I, I, lo- I like the I like the dynamic between Ben and Polly. So I just would like to see more of them on screen, especially with William Hartnell, because obviously they only had there was only a couple more stories left before um, William regenerated. So yeah, it's just a shame we don't get to see the next story. Um, maybe mm. one day it will turn up, you never know, but uh, sadly not in the archives at the minute. Yeah. And what's also quite good about those two is they... They become companions by accident, really, because mm. at this point, right at the end, um, she's said to the doctor, you know, Dodo's decided to stay ah. in London. So, you know, laters. And uh, they realise that they they need to return the key, don't they, that Dodo That's gave right, them. Yeah. So they run back, let themselves in. But just as they let themselves in, the TARDIS is, TARDIS is off and, uh, and they're whisk, whisked away. It's almost like um, an unearthly child, really. Um, yeah. with um, Barbara and Ian in Ian at the end. They don't really plan to become companions, do they? It's like, no. so, yeah. So well, I, they sort of get abducted, don't they? <laughs> they get, yeah, they almost get kidnapped, don't they? He's really grouchy in that one. Very grouchy, yeah. Um, I would say this is why I haven't heard the smugglers, but I would, I just, in my head, love to think what happens next. Like just seeing William Hartnell turn around and see them in the TARDIS after he's taken off and just going ballistic. <laughs> what the hell are you doing in here? You know, I don't know what happens. I haven't, I haven't heard the next one, so... I might have to try and find it because I would love to know what what the next scene is. Or does he just say, oh, welcome or what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point because I think if you listen to it on audio as well, I think your mind sort of creating the images in your head of of Hartnell. Yeah. Yeah, It would be amazing. So I'm going to have to find it. I'm going to have to download it or find it because I really want to know what happens next. You know, I hope it's not disappointing. I hope it doesn't just (laughs) start with them, just best friends. I just, I want to see Hartnell go mad. They've let themselves in. (laughs) He's so good as well when he goes, when he goes like, mega grouchy and yes yeah. um let's talk about dodo quickly before we get on to william um, yeah dodo I, do you know what my my issue is with dodo she's too similar to um susan to susan yeah carol ann ford she's she's not even the look and everything mm. it's i don't know it's just too samey it'd be like it'd be like a new companion for series 10 being like a carbon copy of rose kind yeah. of thing you know it's that to me it's that it's that thing but she was okay she didn't really do much really in this story she doesn't and she's another companion that again i hate to say it but i often forget about because um yeah she doesn't get a lot to do you're absolutely right she is too similar to to susan i don't know if that's intentional because like you said the look and everything as well um that said i do think it's a shame that she was written out so badly um not yes. badly but do you yeah. know i mean they just kind of just because they, they basically decided the character wasn't working, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they just said, right, well, we're not renewing your contract. But she literally just says, because um, she gets possessed, and she? And then she goes to St. Charles's country mansion for a lie down. And then we never see her again. And then basically Polly and Ben just say, oh, yeah, she's decided to stay. And that's it. And I think I think it is a bit of a, um, a shame she wasn't given a better exit, even though she may not be the best companion. It feels very much like she's sort of been pushed under the carpet for want of a better phrase, um, which is a shame. It's one of the few things. Uh, yeah. It's one of the only things I don't like about the story is the fact she just literally gets brushed to, to the side. I think she could have just 
you know, should just come back to hand the doctor the key or I don't know. I think it's, a, yeah, it's not a great exit for her. Let's put it that way. No. And I, yeah, the thing is, yeah, cause they, her contract, for some weird reason, um, her contract expired halfway through this story. Yeah. Didn't it? It, it wasn't up to maybe, maybe it was like a certain amount of episodes and it just happened to fall midway. But yeah, after episode two, that's it. They just said, no, we, you know, we don't, don't need you anymore. So, um, yeah, because of this like migraine, because she does play like she does play like the the possessed character pretty well. Because mm. at this point, because when when they first go up the top of the the BT tower, um, she gets like a headache or migraine, whatever. So it's having an effect on her already. Um, and then she, it's her job. The 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 vo- the votan, you know, says it's your job to bring the doctor here. Or as we'll come on to in a second, to bring Doctor Who here. Yes. And um, so yeah, so she does that bit okay, and and that's mm. it. But then yeah, unfortunately, due to this contract stuff, she just like because of these constant headaches and stuff. Yeah, she's going to go and stay out in the countryside, and that's it. That's you know, it. we don't see her. So it must have been quite quite harsh from her point of view, I would say, because yeah, I mean, at this point, it wasn't par for the course for companions to have these you know, these big exit stories written for them. So I guess at the time it wasn't anything, you know, anything crazy. But it would have been nice to have a decent goodbye written Yeah, because there is, there is a dynamic there between her and, and William Hartnell as well because, hmm. you know, like you said, it is very reminiscent of, of Susan because the Doctor sort of does talk to her like when she goes missing, very much like he would have done Susan, doesn't he? He's like, yeah. where have you been, child? And all that. Whereas I'm assuming with Ben and... Polly, they're a bit stronger in character, and also they're not so. Um, they feel more adult. Yeah. So um, that that dynamic in the next story must change, I assume. So from that point of view, yeah, I think she deserved a, a bit of a better send off already. Yeah, but yeah. otherwise she didn't really feature too. Even the, the first two episodes that she was in it, she didn't really feature that that big really. But no, that's yeah. right. She doesn't. No. Um, okay, the Doctor, the Doctor himself, Hartnell. William Hartnell, um, fantastic. Yeah, just brilliant. Love him in this. Yeah. Uh, you, nobody can argue with that. You know, his performance in, in this story is just pure, just classic Hartnell. You know, you know, if you said to somebody, um, you, you're talking about Doctor Who and you say, and you say something like it, it's just classic Hartnell. Mm. Those are the things that you see in this, in this story. The grouchiness is there. Um, the the warmthness is there at times. Yeah, yeah, um, and the flunking of the lines. Yeah, you know the little stuttering of the words Fluffs. and not not quite getting the lines right. Um, the look is there as well. He, yeah, the, the whole you know the, he's got like a black cape with a chain. That's it. The whole look is there. The hat. He's got the hat on. Yep, and he he says to Ben, doesn't he? He's like, oh, it's very hot. It's very hot in here. He takes <laughs> the cape off and he's like, here, here, you take this. Don't drag it on the ground. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> as if Ben's like his personal assistant or something. But um, yeah, so he's got, and he's in control yeah. as well. You know, like when he when yeah. he he um, alters the war machine to go and attack Voton. You know, he's very much in control in this. He, he definitely is the Doctor. Um, you know, yes. And um, a good example of that is the scene where um, him and the army set up the trap. So mm. they set up like this little wrestling mm. ring. It looks like or a boxing ring, and. Um, the the war machine is like comes up to the entrance of this little trap that they've set up and they're going like 
we've got to go now. Come on. And, and he's like, no, no. Uh, you know, he's totally in control. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, when the war machine enters it, he's like, no. And it's, it's great. You know, he's completely has all his marbles. And if you, we spot. said about that shot earlier, when it zooms, does like that close up, um, when the war machine's coming towards him and he's just <sighs> holding his lapels and being totally defiant yeah. to the war machine that's just obliterated half the army. And it is such an icon- iconic shot, I think, of the first Doctor. Um, what does surprise me about this, actually, is that this is towards the end of William Hartnell's tenure as the Doctor. Mm-hmm. I think there's only two stories after this, is it? It is, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and... To me, because I was thinking, I knew that, and I was thinking, does he show signs of, of you know, nearing, you know, like, because he obviously started to get really, really, really struggling with his lines. I mean, he always sort of fluffed the odd one, bit like I've just done. Um, but, um, but yeah, but in this, he doesn't seem like he's on his way out to me. To me, he's actually given a really strong performance. There is the odd fluff, yep. but nothing, I mean, there's a lot worse <laughs> earlier on in his tenure. Oh, yeah. Yep. I think he's. I think he's really strong in this, and as I said, considering it's near the end of his run, I, I found that a bit surprising. Actually, I thought we might sort of see signs of him, perhaps not being on top form, and thinking, yeah, well, probably, you know, you can see why they were thinking he should move on and whatever. But no, I, I don't see any of that in this at all. I think he's he's brilliant in it. No, I agree. So I mean, this is pretty much it. I mean, after this one, the smugglers we don't have, um, and then it's the tenth planet, his regeneration. Uh, episode so this is pretty much his last full length story that we have really yeah um, and also the ten- after the 10th planet I know we get Power of the Daleks and that this was, was it sort of mid-series or something again it wasn't like 10th planet wasn't at the end of the series I don't think um, um, I'd have to check but I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, you know because you sort of think okay so presumably that you know they had a no it's all part of series 4 yeah Power of the Daleks is series 4 yeah. as well so this is the end of series three. That's right. This is the end, isn't it? And then, yep. then William Hartnell does two more in series four. That's it. And then regenerates. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So this is like this is it for like his complete era. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's absolutely mate. He's completely on it. His performance is brilliant. Um, yeah, he does have the odd little stutter, the odd little, you know, fluff. But you know. It's like, part of his character, though, isn't it? I, I always think. I think it's just yeah. just the way he is. I mean, we do fluff lines and get our words. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we get our words muddled in real life, don't we? So it's. I just. Yeah. I. I think it's a charm to it. It's like a kerfuffle. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's great, and I'm. Yeah, I, I think we could sit here like you know for half the day and just say how great William Hartnell is and. In his performances are amazing, but I think this particular story, like you said earlier, if you, if people haven't watched any of the Hartnell stuff yet, because I'm assuming that most people have watched An Unearthly Child, that seems to be the one that that people will go back and watch. Yeah, and you know. Dalek Invasion Earth probably is another one people gravitate towards. Yeah, um, yeah. but um, yeah, absolutely. If you want to see Hartnell, probably at one one of his best performances um, all round you know, an all round great performance, then definitely check this one out. It's um, Yes, I'd agree with that. He's just great, yeah. He's one of those people that you can't take your eyes off the screen when he's on it. I just, you like, as soon as he's on screen, I just, I just, there's something compelling about Hartnell. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but yeah. Yeah, and the, the cliffhanger that we're talking about at the end of episode three. Yeah. Y- 
you honestly you will get goosebumps when you see it because the way it's the way it's lit with the doctor like you know he's like center frame and you can see this machine rolling towards him and he's just standing there he's got this pose hasn't he where his head's sort of tilted back a little bit and he's holding mm. onto his lapels and when you watch that bit you just honestly it's so good mm. you just think yes that is the doctor Mm. That is completely, um, and it's little tiny bits like that that make modern Who so good because there are little bits like that where the Doctor is like that, you know, where it's that defiant, stubborn, completely knows what's going on. Everyone else is going balmy behind him, but he's just Mm. like confident, knows what's going on, and you think, yes, that's the Doctor. Yeah, right in the middle of it, cool as a cucumber. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, Just before we move on, what did you... think of the actual design of the war machines because that's when i said earlier about wasn't sure what you'd make of this i wondered if you'd find them a bit comical because they are quite clumsy like there's a bit you know when at the end when it goes up to destroy votan and i'm thinking how how did that get up there (laughs) there's no way that would have fitted in a lift or got up the stairs so as as a sort of race destroying machine I don't know that the design is that sleek. I mean, I love the look of them. Don't get me wrong; they are just classic. Yeah, but uh, in in you know in realistic terms, well, they're. <clears throat> I I find them very similar to the Daleks, really. Yeah. In their design, they've well, not. Really, I don't know. Maybe their concepts I find quite similar to the Daleks. Um, mm. Even like their their arm that shoots, <laughs> which yeah, ones, that's very Dalek-like. Yeah. Yeah, and they've got like. Um, do you know what? Giant I, the giant mallets on either side that like crush down on like these cardboard boxes and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah I, I thought they were quite good. And I think they spent, I, I know it's not, you know, a, a complicated prop as such, but they did spend a bit of money because on one side they had like the, the computer board with the lights lighting up. And on the other side they had like these real to real things going around. Mm. Um, and then you had like, yeah, like the arms and stuff. So they wouldn't have been that cheap to make because they're quite big as well. They are quite yes. big. But I do, I do quite like the design. They are quite good. And there's an obvious influence to the cleaning robots in Paradise Towers. Yes, that's right, yeah. Did yeah, you think that as well? Out. Yes, I did, yeah. I made that note. Yeah, it very much reminded me of that, yeah. There is a bit, um, you know, the scene we're talking about with the doctor where it comes up to him, but the, the bit where the war machine is going mad and everything's on fire yeah. uh, by the warehouse, just there is just one second shot where the machine actually caught fire and you can see the back door of it open where the actor jumped out. It, it's in that bit where it's all going crazy and everything's on fire. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. it's just before it, it, um, yeah, it is. I think just before it does that long shot up to the doctor. Yeah. You just watch, watch the back of it. You'll see the door open. And they cut it caught straight fire. Right. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you, yeah, it cuts just as the back door of the <laughs> the prop opens because apparently the actor inside jumped out because it caught fire. So another thing to look out for next time you watch it. Oh wow, I, I didn't notice that. Mate. Yeah. Well, I had the production subtitles on, so I can't really take credit. But I did. I did notice it. But I think it's because I knew it was there. If you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah but yeah, they look iconic. I they think. do look. They do look good. Um, and the actual, we don't really see what the what the Votan thing is, it's really just like a very 60s sci-fi mm. computer desk, really, isn't it? It's not anything crazy. <laughs> One thing I always wondered, though, mm. is why they called it Votan, like with the... The W for a V. For a V kind of thing, because mm. if I'm reading this right, it's 
it's actually its full name is Will Operating Thought Analog. Yeah, not the catchiest of names. No. So why, if it's called <laughs> Will Operating, why is it not? Why is it not Wotan? And why is it vote? I always wondered why they substituted the. the mm. They changed it to a V from a W. Yeah, because it's yeah. I see what you mean. Spelled with a W, but pronounced in the sort of it's the German it's way. The German isn't it? way. Wotan. Yeah. yeah. Pronounced as a V. Yeah. Interesting. Don't Maybe know. political there. Maybe a bit of uh, mm. the the Germans. Mm, could be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention on this? I think, um, yeah. No, just looking at my notes, I think we've we've pretty much covered it, actually. Yeah. Scores. Scores, then. Whose turn is it first? It's you. It's me, is it? Yep. Right. Oh, I'm... <laughs> we I'm always written, have oh, 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 I don't know. Well, I've written eight out of ten. Um, but I'm wondering if I should go up. I, I love this story. I love it. Is it a nine? I, I suppose I should always stick with what I write, shouldn't I? should always do that. It's the easiest way. So I'm going to get eight out of ten, but I, I, I love this. I think it, it might possibly be one of my favourite first Doctor stories. Yeah. Okay. What are you going for? Well, this is awkward again. You going for eight as well? <laughs> this is awkward. We, got, we have to stop doing this. <laughs> um, yes, I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Oh, there you go. That's all right. No, I like that because that means, you know, makes you feel better, actually, because I, I was thinking of going up. I, I think it's great. I think I've, I've taken points off just because of the Dodo exit, really. Right. That's the only only sort of negative for me on what is otherwise a brilliant story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I took a few points off because it does slow down a bit as you're getting into sort of the third sort of act. It does. Uh, it does, yeah. It does slow down, but you have to bear with it a little bit. And also, um, I found that it does take a while to for things to get going as well so like yeah. you know the very first bit of the episode is great but then halfway through you know you have to sort of go through the motions to to get things happening but and the dodo thing as well that could have been a bit better yeah um but overall it's a great story really just proper classic who um all the all the good stuff is in there and hartnell is just brilliant yeah absolutely brilliant in this um and what did you guys think uh, on Twitter, um, we had uh, at Master Hoovians says, great story, and it really set the boundaries for Unit two years later. Oh, I hadn't thought of that, yeah. yeah. Uh, overall, fantastic. However, Dodo is underused. Eight out of ten as well. Excellent. Uh, on Facebook, uh, Lewis Palmer says, uh, might have to rewatch this at some point because it really didn't leave an impact on me. Uh, for me personally, it dragged. I like the introduction of Ben and Polly, but some of the story is incredibly dated, and I never say that about classic Doctor Who. So for me, it's going to be a 4.5. Um, I just don't enjoy it like some people. You must give it a rewatch, Lewis. I think I wrote that on the page. Uh, I think he might enjoy it more on a rewatch. I must also actually give Lewis's um, YouTube channel a shout out because Lewis does, has a channel called The Gargantuan Apple on YouTube. He does loads of Doctor Who reviews and really funny little vids and he deserves a lot more subscribers. So go check out The Gargantuan Apple because he's a great little YouTuber, Lewis. Yeah, he's, he's, and uh, yeah, fair play, Lewis. You always comment um, yeah. and follow us. So uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, let's do an audio clip. Um, this is our good friend Alex Kingdom. Aha. Uh-huh. Gary Allen from the Big Blue Box podcast now the War Machines. Um, this is my favorite first Doctor story. Honestly, I um really enjoy the War Machines. I think it's something that shows that even though in classic Who these great stories um can be invented. Now I've I've 
I have I love classic who it's better than the modern stuff for me and I came into the modern stuff and I think that people look over the first doctor era but this is one that when you look at the first doctor era you just go this is doctor who it's the definitive it's the definitive article of what doctor who is it is in the uh, 60s so the um production values don't stand out as much as you know a series 9 story but that doesn't matter. Um, in all honesty, I think in our society today, oh, um, I don't like the fact that everything has to be CGI, everything has to look good. Why can't the things that actually matter, like great storytelling, go to the forefront? I really enjoy the first Doctor in this story. I think he's great. I don't like Dodo Chaplet. And um, Ben and Polly are also good as well. I hope I got Ben and Polly right. That might got names wrong. Uh, anyway, see you guys next time. Cheers, Alex. Cheers, Alex. I do agree with you about CGI there, mate. I, I'm not a fan of all this CGI we get nowadays. Much rather have a, a prop that gets set on fire to. Set on fire. A real prop. That endangers actors and stuntmen's <laughs> <Yeah>. lives, yeah. <laughs> now, he makes some fair points there, though, Alex. He does, yeah. Um, yeah, storytelling... And on all that stuff should be at the forefront. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, back on Facebook, Rob Jones says, I haven't watched this one for a long time, but I vividly remember loving this episode. Uh, war machines themselves are incredible and have a sleek design. I'd love to have a mini war machine model in my collection. Wouldn't we all? Yes, that yes. would be good. Yeah. Sammy Satine, uh, lastly on Facebook, she says, uh, a highly intelligent computer called Votan thinks it can hypnotise people and take over the world. I don't think so. Not when the Doctor is about. Uh, using his grandfatherly authoritiveness, uh, the first Doctor manages to say today with plenty of lapel gripping along the way. Uh, story moves along at a good pace. It kept me interested. I liked Ben saving Polly from that nasty bloke in the pub stroke nightclub. That was the fight we mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah fisticuffs. Um, absolutely lovely uh, seeing William Hartnell um, and his first Doctor again. It's been a while since I watched any of his Doctor, and I found him quite charming in this. Eight out of ten as well. Brilliant. Um, did you have any reviews or any thoughts on Geek's Handbag? Yeah, I had a couple. Uh, Jace Howe says, uh, great story and well-made. Brilliant introduction for Ben and Polly. Shame about how they brush Dodo leave, leaving under the carpet. Cheesy moment when Votan calls the Doctor Doctor Who. Yeah, we forgot to say about that, didn't we? Yes. Doctor Who. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is one of the very few stories where they they call him Doctor Who rather than the Doctor. Yes, um, it is. Yep. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Take on board how you will that because um, I know Peter Capaldi always says Doctor Who, doesn't he? Instead of the Doctor, and fans were were a bit annoyed about that. Like, no, he's he's called the Doctor, not Doctor Who. But in a way, this kind of makes it canon. I don't know. So you know, yeah. make up your own mind. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, Nick Riches, he says, uh, agree with the above, massively underrated story, way ahead of its time, using the futuristic post office tower, as it was then, was a stroke of genius, and I was reminded of it when they used the London Eye all those years later. Oh, in uh, Rose, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been years since I've seen it, but always rated it as one of the best Hartnell stories I've watched. Cheers, Nick. And finally, Ben Smith says, it's a hugely underrated and one of my favourite 60s stories, action-packed with a great enemy, a fantastic performance by Hartnell, and the introduction of the incredible Ben and Polly. Ben gives it 10 out of 10. A 10. Nice. Another 10, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, Yes, we did forget to mention, actually, the 
the the Votan calling Doctor Doctor Who. Mm. Bring me Doctor Doctor yeah. Who. And interestingly, when they brought Who back, two thousand and five. Um, if you look at the closing credits of Rose, um, the Doctor is called Doctor Who. Yeah. Doctor Who. Who is the Doctor? I will say I love the voice. When is the Doctor? When, uh, Sorry, the, you love the voice of the Votan. The Votan, yeah, that, that whispery, sort of slightly echoed mm. voice. Just uh, something about that, I just love it. Yeah, whereas some of the um, some of the sound effects earlier on are a bit mad, <laughs> but I do I do love the voice. Yeah, that doctor. Something about whispering is, is creepy. It is creepy for sure. Yeah. What are we doing next week, Birdie? Next week, um, Matt Smith story. Next week, uh, Vincent and the Doctor. We're going to ah. be doing. Yeah. Yes. I'm looking yeah. forward to this one because, um, yes, this is often viewed as a as a, a very sort of up there good episode. It is, yeah. Um, however, I haven't watched it in a long time. Ditto. So yeah, exactly we'll what see. I thought. Mm, we'll see. Mm, we'll see. And uh, yes, I think we'll wrap there, buddy. Okay. Thank you very much for uh, sticking with us for this week. Um, that was episode 78 and The War Machines. Eight out of ten for the pair of us. Yes. Um, we really will have to stop re- giving all these stories the same score. Because <laughs> people are going to think like, oh, you're just copying each other. But it's very hard. It, honestly, it's complete coincidence. It is. And I always yeah. do that thing of, because um, we now have the cameras on on Skype, I always show Gary the score, just like they do on the countdown program. Just to prove it's true. Ah, yes. We should. Yeah. Maybe we should do that. Oh, it wouldn't make a difference, would they? Because they'd be like, yeah, you wrote it after. Yeah, of course. That's um, true. Yeah. But yes, completely coincidental, but a well-deserved 8 out of 10, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, Vincent and the Doctor. Uh, we should be recording at our usual uh, day next week, yeah. which is normally a Thursday. Um, so you should have plenty of time to, uh, to get your thoughts and comments and whatever audio clips into us. Um, and I know that a whole big bunch of you have seen this one multiple times. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all the previous episodes and you can uh, you can uh, click a button that takes you off to iTunes or Stitcher or the RSS feed, whatever you prefer, so that you can subscribe to the show. And if you listen in iTunes, if you could give us a review, that would be amazing. Also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram. All the stuffs. You uh, must do a new, a new Snapchat with your scarf. You haven't done one for a while. I'll, I'll do one right now. Yeah, okay. After All your year. slippers. Take your pick. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, also check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Oh, Geek's Handbag, yes. On YouTube and Facebook. Yes. Some amazing videos there. Until <laughs> So until next week, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, I love it.